0: Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small
1: town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL Leaders.
0: Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community, on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your
1: host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. This is your host, Brian Bisking. And today we have a great episode with you with Charles Mollinger. Before we get to Charles, I want to take a quick minute and thank my four sponsors. First, NWO IT Services, Inbound Blend Digital Marketing, Synchrony HR, and Enterprise Bank and Trust. On today's episode, we have Charles Mollinger. Charles is a hands-on acquisition entrepreneur and current president and CEO at Ethos Preparedness. Ethos Preparedness was founded through Charles' entrepreneurial pursuit to acquire a small business to operate. With experience in management, consulting, investing, and military leadership, he launched an initiative to create value in a space where he could provide visionary direction. Charles is a seasoned leader with a track record of attacking complex problems and guiding cross-functional teams in diverse business and military environments. He is a former captain in the United States Army a West Point graduate, and Chicago Booth MBA. It's my honor to welcome Charles to the show. Charles, welcome to the STLers Podcast. I greatly appreciate you taking some time to come on here today and share your story. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate you having me. Let's, uh, let's kick it off here. Yeah, absolutely. So want to share with our listeners a little bit about your organization, Ethos Preparedness. Tell us about the company, the mission, how you got started.
0: Yeah absolutely. So ethos preparedness is a, a leading partner in emergency evacuation and readiness. We started about two years ago when I acquired the the Medsled line of evacuation equipment. That company was based in St. Louis. I, I really hit it off with the founder to transition ownership and leadership, and Medsled specializes in the, the movement of non-ambulatory individuals amidst a disaster. Our our biggest market is healthcare facilities, and about about one year after I acquired Medsled, I met a couple of entrepreneurs in the emergency preparedness space out in San Francisco, who had founded and were currently leading the direct the leading direct to consumer marketplace for emergency kits and supplies, and that company is called Red Fora. After some conversations with them and a little diligence, we, we uh, thought it would be a great potential partnership. So Medsled acquired Redfora to roll up into our suite of products, and that totally changed the scope of what we do. So Ethos Preparedness now has two divisions focused on organizational preparedness and personal preparedness. And what we offer is emergency evacuation equipment, emergency kits and supplies, as well as employee engagement and training. And our, our product offering is continuing to grow and improve. Um, the mission of Ethos is is simple. It's we want to inspire preparedness and save lives. And we focus really heavily on the the inspiration of preparedness because we recognize it's really not a topic that people want to have in the front of their minds. Preparedness is an emotional journey. And many people, especially in, in 2020, have that one moment where they realize they're woefully unprepared. And our goal as an organization is to inspire preparedness before that emotional moment.
1: Okay, so let me ask you this. MedSled, uh, I know a little bit about it just from our, our previous talks, but what was MedSled and give, a, give an example of where that could come into play?
0: Yeah, so MedSled started in about 2004, 2005 by a, a local St. Louis gentleman named Clifford Adkins. Uh, he was with Anheuser-Busch previously um, before he started MedSled and built it into really the, the Kleenex of emergency evacuation. We're a really well-known brand uh, selling into healthcare facilities and hospitals all across the nation, and we actually have products present in about 25 countries around the world. Um, So that product line, really what we specialize in is the the ability to evacuate every person in a healthcare facility from a baby in the NICU all the way up to your largest bariatric patient. And that that line of products has become incredibly important for, for emergency readiness in healthcare facilities. Today, we are starting to branch out and and looking around at what other markets could we potentially be selling these products to and how can we improve our products. So we we have a tactical line of products that also sells into military and law enforcement. And we also have been targeting schools and universities, corporate campuses and industrial facilities as well.
1: So do they use these uh, these products um, to evacuate people off mountains as well or, or a different type of product? They can. So we we have a product called the
0: Vertical Lift Rescue Sled, and that is used for confined space, high angle rescues. So really that can go into military markets, mountaineering markets, uh, search and rescue um, emergency services. So absolutely. Gotcha. Okay. And so
1: so that's obviously one division of the organization. And then the other division is is really the developing of the strategy and the plan uh, when these emergency situations happen so that you're not unprepared. Correct? That's correct.
0: That's correct. So while we while we really make most of our, our revenue off of products and supplies and equipment, we also uh, have training and engagement services. So we will approach tabletop drills at healthcare facilities or corporate campuses. We will get in front of large audiences um, in order to inspire preparedness and make people understand why their organization invested in preparedness and why it was important for, for everyone there to, to know why that investment occurred.
1: Sure. So I'm, I'm going to jump around here a little bit, but, you know, when we are talking about this, um, the strategy and the plan uh, to be prepared for these instances, you know, two things that come to my mind. The first one is obviously schools, um, you know, preparing for, God forbid, an emergency situation at a school, whether it be a school shooting or, or anything along those lines. Um, but other other ones that come to my mind is just, you know, evacuations in hospitals for whatever reason in hospitals. I'm assuming you, do, you work with. Both, both industries to develop those plans? And have you seen an uptick um, in developing those plans with those two type of industries? So not necessarily
0: an uptick in the planning per se, okay. but both both of those industries have a strong interest in our product line. Um, yeah. They both are, are you know, there, there are certain regulations in place that make sure that they have emergency action plans, whether that's OSHA standards or Center for Medicare and Medicaid. Or Joint Commission um, there are regulatory standards out there that that make these organizations need to have an emergency action plan and Your plan is only as as good as what's down on paper You have to have the equipment in place in order to move people sure. if they happen to be non-ambulatory And that's where we come in and we, we
1: specialize in helping them yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and and you're you come from military background so tell me about your military background background and how Um, that has prepared you for the role that you have as CEO of Ethos Preparedness. Sure.
0: Um, So I'm a West Point graduate. I graduated in in 2010 and immediately commissioned as a field artillery officer. Um, Had the the great opportunity to lead soldiers in the United States Army for a little over five years. I served in brigade combat teams at Fort Lewis, Washington, and deployed uh, with a unit from there to Afghanistan in 2012 and 2013. And I also served in uh, positions at Fort Carson, Colorado, and and Fort Sill, Oklahoma. So that that really was how I launched my career was uh, in uniform uh, following my graduation from West Point. And you know, it it's, all academy graduates are are very fortunate in that we were forced to think about what our leadership philosophy, what our leadership philosophy was and would be from from day one. The the forty seven month experience at West Point is designed to teach you to follow and then designed to teach you to lead and amidst those four years there you're going to fail over and over and over again but by the time you graduate you are a a 22 to 24 year old commissioned officer with a, a pretty distinct idea of how you're going to stand in front of a group of people and persuade persuade them to follow you into combat and as a young person that's that's very powerful and it's a fantastic experience to have and those experiences translate very well over to the day-to-day of being a business leader. Um, yeah. I think, I think the, uh, the ability to be comfortable in front of a group of people and, and inspiring a mission, inspiring core values is, uh, something that I really draw upon from, from the training that I had at 18 years old through about 27, 28 years old in the military.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And well, and first, let me say, thank you very much for your service. There's nobody in this country. I respect more than our military. Um, I you know my actually growing up my my father actually tried to convince me to get go into the military and uh I just it wasn't for me and so uh I respect I respect you I respect every every branch of our military um uh, and so first and foremost thank you for your service but I also got I
0: really appreciate that
1: yeah and I also but I also got to think you know to that point you know it absolutely had to prepare you uh and, and I mean not just from a um, a standpoint of life lessons and how to carry yourself, but prepare you on to your point on how to lead uh, an organization. I mean, you're leading missions for the United States Army. Um, it had to it had to do a pretty good job preparing you, I would think.
0: I, I definitely think so. Um, you know, it's, it's funny to look back on it now that at, at 17 years old, those who decide to go to an academy or to enlist in the military or join ROTC, whatever it may be, you are essentially signing up for the the first decade of your career, right yeah. and at seventeen years old, I said, okay, I'm gonna spend four years at West Point with an obligatory five years active duty afterward and three years in the reserves so making that decision was was giving up your twenties and for me it was it was still a no brainer and i you know I was lucky to serve in a time where service was very very um appreciated by the nation. I mean, you couldn't go anywhere without people saying thank you for your service. And, you know, I'm very lucky to have served in a time like that. I'm very lucky to have have served with phenomenal American soldiers in in and out of combat. And that experience just, you know, it it really drives who I am as a person and and how I lead on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this is obviously not a political show by any means, but let me ask you just personally, do you feel like as a country, we still respect our military as much as we did back in those days?
0: I do. Um, I definitely do. I mean, a perfect example is you, you just cut in and, and said, thank you for your service. And I think that's, that's something that we hear way more often than not. Um, whereas our comrades who, who happened to serve in the Vietnam War did not get that, that warm welcome when they came home. Yeah. Um, and that, that honestly, that breaks my heart to, to think of people going into combat and coming home and, and not having that level of gratitude that, that I received and that a lot of my peers received. Yeah, um, sure. you know, it, again, <laughs> this is not a political show. I think I think our nation is at a, a an interesting point in time where there is some division going on, but I still think that no matter what side of the fence you are politically, there's still a a very strong feeling for our military and that I think that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I you know, obviously politics comes up on the show occasionally and um, I try to stay very uh, middle of the road for a variety of different reasons. But I'm a firm believer that we just need to come together as uh, a United States of America and support whether, you know, whoever that president is. Obviously, right now it's, it's Donald Trump and I, and I support him as our president. And when Joe Biden takes over uh, on January 20th, I will support him. And I, I think as um, as United States citizens, we just need to support whoever our elected officials are and hope for the best for them and pray for them and and, and want success out of our country. And at the end of the day, that's that's what is best uh, interest for our, our country. And, my, my, you know, I, I, I do congratulate you on your military experience. My grandfather was served in World War Two. Um, and I actually have his navy uniform uh, still to this day. I mean, he's now uh, deceased. He passed away at 99 years old. Live a very long, uh, great life. But um, I always have had interest in our um, our history, uh, American history, and and uh, military. And so, again, thank you again for your service. I appreciate that, Brian. Thank you. Absolutely. So let me ask you a little more about the military. Tell me what was your favorite part about being in the military and how have you applied those lessons that you learned from the military into not only your business life, but your civilian life?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I, there's, there's a couple things that um that come to mind immediately. I think first and foremost, there's, there's no doubt my favorite part about being in the military was the people. Um, I, I love the topic of culture. And, and when you think of the best cultures in business, you think of Netflix and, and their world renowned culture deck that was circling around Silicon Valley. You think yeah. of, um, of Herb Kelleher and what he was able to build at, at Southwest Airlines. You think of Procter and Gamble and their century old Midwestern values brought to their teams across the world. And, you know, I, I always compare those to the military and it's funny because you really can't compare them. And, when I, when I say that people was my favorite part, I, I just kind of reflect on how cool it was to put on a uniform with thousands of other patriots willing to put their lives on the line in defense of our nation. And, yeah. um, you know, we, we worked out together, we ate together, we trained together, and all of those actions led to a, a unified, cohesive fighting force that was ready for combat, especially at the time when I was serving um, at the height of both wars in Iraq and Afghanistan and you know th- those teams are are they're built of of everything that makes this country great they're built of country boys and city slickers and immigrants and mountaineers mm-hmm. and beach bums and everything in between of of all races colors religions and genders and th- the iterations of of joining different units and building different teams is is simply remarkable and i'm i'm blessed that i have that opportunity in business now to to build another great team with an important mission
1: so Absolutely. you know i, I think step, step one is definitely the people. Um, Yeah. Well, I think we'd put the the nail on the head there about, um, the, the team, the culture, and now you're carrying that over into your organization and, you know, and, and keeping that culture strong within your organization is just as important as, you know, as it was back then. Yeah,
0: I think that, that is absolutely right. It, It is powerful. It's a great lesson to learn when you're kind of in your formative years as a, as a first job out of, out of high school or college or whatever your situation may be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And now for a quick break, we bring in our sponsor, Enterprise Bank & Trust member FDIC. Enterprise Bank & Trust knows that every business and every person is unique. That's why they get to know you in a way that the large financial institutions don't. They are our banking partner here at the STL Leaders Podcast, and I highly recommend that you check them out. To learn more, visit EnterpriseBank.com. And now back to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. So let me take us. Let's take a step back. Uh, where are you from? What was growing up like for you, and what brought you to St. Louis?
0: Yeah, um, so I'm I'm actually from right here in St. Louis. Um, okay. I was born and raised here, but i I graduated high school in Florida. Um, I was actually a very competitive tennis player, competing on the national and international junior tennis circuit, and. Um, so I graduated. You're a man of many talents. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that it's, uh, I I like to think of my life as random chapters and it kind of went from childhood to tennis, to military, to now business. Um, but you know, after, after living in, in eight different States now, I think it's seven or eight, you know, there, there's a, there's a strong tie to why my wife and I are back in St. Louis. Um, it's it's such a great place to grow up and uh, you know, we're we're very happy to be back after spending a, a decade plus away.
1: Yeah, well and that brings me to, you know, you kind of hit there, but you know, what what Saint Louis has meant to you and your family, it sounds like it holds a special place in your heart.
0: It definitely does. Um so I, I'm a I'm first generation Saint Louis born and raised. Uh my mom is is from small town Indiana. My dad is from uh just north of New York City. But you know, St. Louis, is it's just such a great family town. Um, you know, I think as a city, we have several challenges that we need to overcome. Um, yeah. But the cool thing is I, I sense a pretty distinct desire amongst my, you know, fellow peer and young leaders that that want to be part of the change. And I, I personally would love to raise my my family here for, you know, as long as I can. Um, I'm actually on high alert right now as we speak, because my, my wife is due with our third child in just about a couple of weeks here.
1: Uh, it's funny you bring that up. My wife is due with our first child on February fourth, so I'm uh, not too far behind. Nice. You. Yeah. Congratulations. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So let me ask you this: When you think of you know business, being a CEO, uh, has the military background prepared you, um, you know, for today and this COVID pandemic and what we're in?
0: Yes. Um, short answer: Yes. You know, I I I view the position of CEO, um, as the keeper and motivator of a a vision, mission purpose within an organization. I think the CEO needs to be the guiding light in, in living the core values of that organization and and driving that strategic direction. Um, you know, COVID-19 has, has brought so many challenges period, right? It's, it's yeah. bringing challenges to the day-to-day operations of business. It's bringing challenges of, of having Zoom fatigue. Um, we're a small team. We have 16 people, but we're, we have people in four different states. And um, after the Red Fora acquisition, I, I have a few team members, so I've never even met in person yet. And that that just drives me crazy to my core. But um, because of the situation we're in, our relationship is over Zoom. Um, yeah. So there, there's a lot of challenges this year has has brought forward, but you know, I think what the military really prepares you for is is being able to adapt and overcome, and and remain very agile. And I got to hand it to my team; they they have, with you know, with or without me, they've been able to do that, and um, I'm really proud of them with how how we've been able to make it through this year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The zoom fatigue, the zoom fatigue, man. I, I'll tell you, it's it is challenging. Obviously, I, I think we're all in it right now um, because at the end of the day, I just. I just want to I want to sit across from somebody, shake somebody's hand, and 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 see the facial expressions not through a lens or, or a computer. And you know I, I'm very optimistic that we will get back there um, sometime soon. I don't know when that soon will be, but I'm hopeful that we'll get back there soon. But has COVID affected your business from a financial perspective in a in a positive way or a negative way, or have you guys held held true to kind of your your uh, core value? Yeah, so you know. First and
0: foremost, I'll just I'll just kind of tack on to what I was saying before, but I'll say that we're we're so fortunate to be able to say that our, our team and our families have been minimally impacted by the pandemic and we continue to stay safe and healthy and that that's number one for, for me and for my team. Now, on the other hand, COVID has has definitely affected several portions of our business. Um, on the organizational preparedness side, our our primary target is hospitals and healthcare facilities and, and we all know those Facilities have just been turned upside down this year, and while they may be hyper-focused on preparedness, and they will be in the near future, that doesn't necessarily translate to evacuation equipment, for example, but rather PPE and pandemic response. So, while while that piece is a bit frustrating, you know, we view our position as as partners to emergency managers around the country, especially at healthcare facilities, and and we're providing support any way we can. One thing I I didn't mention at the beginning of our conversation is, you know, a piece of ethos that I'm incredibly proud of is we have a sustainable give back platform, which we we've drawn on several times this year to to give back to communities and facilities that were most impacted by COVID-19. So, you know, while while our sales aren't where we want them to be this year, um, you know, I think I think we're fortunate that we've all remained healthy and uh, we're still able to continue to give back to communities and facilities, which is really core to what we do.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, sometimes those things are even more important than what the sales numbers look like, right? Uh, I know in in my uh, current organization, sales haven't been what we would have hoped this year, but uh, we haven't really lost a lot of business either. We just haven't gained a lot of new. Um, And so um, that there's, you always got to find the silver lining in everything, especially when we're in a global pandemic like we are. Let me ask you this. What what books or podcasts or um maybe coaches have, have you either listened to or read um that have impacted your life and guided you where you are today?
0: Yeah. Um that's a that's a huge question for me because I'm a I'm a big reader. Um I actually have a an Instagram account where I, I post about my, my most recent readings and uh the Instagram handle is entrepreneurial reading. But um oh, So I I typically read books about entrepreneurship, business, history, politics, and then sprinkle in some fiction every now and then. And I've I've found those topics to be critical for my creative thinking in business, especially as a a first-time entrepreneur and CEO. Um, You know, from from this year, a few books that I would call out was... The first would be The the Politics Industry by Michael Porter and Catherine Gell. They... um, you know, going back to our, our political discussion a few minutes ago, they they take a an apolitical approach to the world of politics and analyze it as if it were a business. And mm. that book really took my my interest in studying politics from almost zero to to a pretty significant level. And I, I really love the recommendations they provide and, and simple changes to innovate for the better of our democracy. Um, you know, there's a couple more I'd, I'd recommend that I've read this year. I think Stephen Schwartzman's book. Um, he was the chairman and CEO of Blackstone. His book's called What It Takes. And then um Robert Iger's book. Uh he was the, the chairman and CEO of Disney, uh The Ride of a Lifetime.
1: Great book. Um,
0: So yeah, I'm you know, I, I, I do read a ton. My my morning routine is something that uh stems from the military a little bit. I typically wake up somewhere between four and five AM and, and read a little while before I go uh work out. So that that, that part of the military has stuck with me for sure.
1: Absolutely. We have the the Robert Iger, Bob Iger book. Um, yeah, I I actually read that over my honeymoon this summer. Um, and what a fantastic book! Um, I'm a huge Disney fan. My my wife and I are both big Disney fanatics, and um, really really enjoyed just hearing the ins and outs of the acquisitions that Disney made. The you know, and really the growth that Disney took from you know the early 2000s till to now um was a really really interesting book and I agree a, a great a great book to to share so yeah absolutely so Charles I always in this podcast by asking some for some tangible advice uh that you would give our listeners whether that is uh business related or life in general what is some advice you would give our listeners that are listening to this episode today
0: yeah i i love that question i think there's there's a lot of different ways to to take it. But, you know, we've been on the topic of military service um, for a lot of our conversation. And I, I'll kind of take that route with it. Um, you know, it's it's common knowledge now that, that veterans have a really hard time when they get out of the military, right? We, we hear how they lose that sense of purpose that they felt in uniform. And, and though your listeners are probably one to two to three percent veterans, I, I'd still tell them, what I told the soldiers that I served with on a consistent basis and then that piece of advice is don't ever stop your education. Pick up a book, take a class on Khan Academy or Coursera, enroll in an online course to get a certificate, listen to podcasts. Um, you know, i I firmly believe that knowledge is power and, and the more you educate yourself, the more you're gonna be able to educate those around you. And that by its very nature is is how you can continue your service to the nation.
1: I, amen. I think that's great advice. I um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I do a lot of audiobooks, And I always talk about on the show is you got to continue to be a student of the game, whatever game that is, and continue to educate yourself. Because to your point, that's something that nobody can take away from you. And so I think that's very solid advice uh, that we, we could share today.
0: Charles, yeah, on behalf absolutely.
1: of the, on behalf of the STL Leaders Podcast, I appreciate what you're doing for our community here in St. Louis. I appreciate you being a great STL leader. Uh, and I appreciate your, your service in the military um, and, and coming on the show today and sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the STL Leaders podcast. This podcast was brought to you by Synchrony HR. Do you get tired of rising benefits cost? Do you struggle with HR and compliance? If so, reach out to us at SynchronyHR.com. Stay tuned for next week's episode of the STL Leaders podcast.